Hello, my name's Jasmine and I'm 20 years old. Now, the concept of Jasmine's Gems came about when I was sat in my room with my neighbour, whose name is Layla, she's very lovely, and we were just having a normal conversation, as, you know, girls in their 20s do. And, to be honest, when we're sort of talking about our life stories from our past or just about our day in general, we often come out with these pearls of wisdom or what we call gems. You know, maybe a quote or uh, something particularly memorable that happened that day that really had an impact on us or stuck with us. So a gem in that sense is something that stays with you, sort of like you can collect them and you know, an amalgamation of these gems will create something very beautiful. In other words, it'll create your character, who you are. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while. I've sort of played around with the idea of a YouTube channel, um, but I think a podcast is a good place to start because it's just sort of audio and I can get used to talking. So I got a microphone of Amazon on Black Friday and here we are talking to myself in my bedroom with some piano in the background. But anyway, yeah, so that's me. Um, I'm a uni student right now. I'm in my third year of studying medicine and it's really good. It's It's been so interesting so far. I'm really having a good time. The first two years was called phase one and it was basically learning a bunch of theory, um, the different systems of the body, for example, the cardiovascular system, respiratory system, etc. And, um, but to be honest, that meant that we didn't really have a lot of clinical experience. And what I mean by that is talking to real people, practicing examinations, etc. And of course, with COVID-19, that was made even harder because one of our semesters was fully online. Some of our exams were actually online too. So, you know, what can you do? We actually practiced abdominal examinations on teddy bears. I kid you not, no word of a lie. But anyway, I'm in third year now. I finished my 12 weeks of placement at the GP. So I can say, I think it's a fair statement to say, I have a good insight of, you know, how primary care operates and you know, the what a day in the life of a GP is like. It was insightful. You know, GPs have to have a broad spectrum, haha, <laughs> medical joke, of knowledge. Um, but I think that, you know, for every downs for every upside there is a downside too. For example, I don't like the fact that, you know, you just sort of refer people away and you don't get to follow up on their stories. On the flip side, I do like the fact that, you know, you form a relationship with patients, you get to know members of their family and you see the same people again and, you know, see how they progress and develop when they have kids, etc. So anyway, I've now started my uh, 12 weeks of surgery block and right now I'm placed on the HPB unit which stands for Hepato, Biliary and Pancreatic Surgery. What that means is basically surgery of the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas 
and all the little tubes in between that help carry the bile and the enzymes that contribute towards digesting, you know, the sandwich you had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> um, so, my story starts yesterday when I walked into my consultant surgeon's room, who's also my tutor, and he simply asked me, oh, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? Have you got afternoon teaching? And I was like, no, we don't have anything scheduled. So he was like, okay, great. You can come and watch two surgeries tomorrow. Uh, one is a, I think it's called a laparoscopy, I believe. I hope it's not laparotomy. Honestly, the surgical words sometimes can be a bit confusing. <laughs> Never mind for the patients, for us too. Um, and then the second one was a Whipple surgery. And I've heard of Whipple surgeries through Grey's Anatomy before, so I knew, oh wow, this is a big deal. And he started explaining to me, you know, it's a high-risk, complex procedure, you know, um, it, they do them a lot at the hospital I'm at, um, it's, it's a privilege to be able to see one, so, you know, I went home that day extremely excited, I was literally watching YouTube video after YouTube video on what is a Whipple surgery, what do they do, how do they do it, you know, what's the coca manoeuvre, uh, things like that, so, you know, it's literally, at that point, it was my third day of surgery, um, literally don't know anything i'm a baby in the surgery world and i feel like there's a whole universe of information just lying in my feet and the world is you know filled with so many different routes it could go down there's just infinite reading so anyway i actually went to bed early early for me is about half nine or ten um uh, got an early night, missed out, um, you know, hanging out with my neighbours who I'm very close with. And then I woke up early the next morning around about six, half six, had breakfast, packed my lunch and was on the bus. Well, before I got on the bus, I think I almost got attacked by a beggar. They were very angry for some reason. I tried to sort of, um, you know, leave. <laughs> anyway i was praying for the bus to come and it eventually did come and then i went to the round so the day before my consultant was like you know go to the ward introduce yourself to the patients you know learn their story and then just follow them throughout the day really wholesome to be honest and i'm glad that you know he sort of instructed me to do that because i've had a really valuable experience from today so this is about now what mm, half seven ish so I go to the ward, I introduce myself to the staff, put my things in the kitchen and I meet my first patient who is an elderly lady, um, I can't say her name uh, for confidentiality reasons but basically she was due for a, I'm pretty sure it's a laparoscopy but if I've got it wrong then, you know that's just embarrassing. Um, so she had pancreatic cancer unfortunately and it was interesting because as a student, of course, I was very excited at the opportunity to go into theatre, be surrounded by surgeons who I'm really inspired and in awe of. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing learning opportunity, but as a human being, you realise when you walk into the room, okay, this lady has a family, 
this lady has children this lady has led a whole life leading up to this moment in time and she said herself she's been healthy the whole time before she had like what one operation when she was about seven years old other than that she's been completely fine so i appreciated in that moment i was meeting someone at you know one of the most vulnerable points in their life and i think sometimes in the busyness of the medical world when you know you've got so many tasks to do and you're understaffed and un overworked underpaid it's difficult to deliver the quality of care that patients all patients regardless of age race gender ethnicity anything they all deserve the best quality care um so you know after the anesthetists said their bit and you know went off to do their uh, prep work or whatever i was just sat there with her talking to her got to know her story how she realized something was even wrong um and what she likes to do so she said that she noticed something was wrong when she was eating sort of spicy foods and then she had sort of you know abdominal pain and she wasn't feeling too well and uh, she called the gp got some blood tests done some scans and then they found the cancer in her pancreas so the whole point of why she was in today was to sort of get a look at the cancer in her pancreas and see if she's eligible for a procedure that they call the Whipple surgery. Now, if that um, cancer has spread to you know, her liver or her uh, surrounding blood vessels and nerves, it means that they're probably not going to operate on her because that just makes it even more complex and it's less likely to have a successful, what they call prognosis, which means you know, a good outcome. Whereas if it had remained localized within the pancreas, then you know the the surgery would go ahead. So it was interesting to get to know her, and then finally um, the nurses came, and I walked with her uh, through the from the ward down the corridors to the theatre, and I said goodbye, and. Uh, I saw her get anaesthetized and then I went into theater and you know put on my relevant PPE and I saw the procedure it basically lasted about half an hour very very cool um, I saw everything I actually saw her liver so they had a they had a camera on the end of the tube that they put inside her and there were TV screens basically it was like watching a, a TV show except it was her internal organs um, which sounds very bizarre but when you're a medical student and you've uh, dissected cadavers you know since first year it's actually not so out of the blue but yeah so the procedure itself was went well um, the outcome was disappointing because we found out that the cancer did indeed metastasize to the liver as we got the biopsy results um, about an hour later which meant that she's not eligible for the Whipple procedure now, um, which, you know, was disappointing, but this kind of thing does happen. So I think she got discharged that day and went home. And I just remember vividly, actually, when she was waking up from the anesthesia, she was screaming in pain. But thankfully, you know, the nurses were on it and they gave her some quick IV paracetamol, you know, quickly relieve the pain and help things. She wasn't screaming anymore. 
um, but yeah usually they they were telling me patients aren't in that much pain after you know a, a procedure like that but obviously for this patient because um, she was elderly as well so you know people react differently everyone has a unique body kind of thing um, but yeah um, yeah anesthesia is one of those things it's very it's interesting because there are studies that show how patients still are somehow conscious or aware in sort of a spiritual way of their surroundings and what's going on and my next story does come on to that very thing so same day today this story happened and I think it's one of those that will stay with me and so that's what sort of inspired me to talk about it today and share it with you guys um, so the second patient that I went to meet also had pancreatic cancer so I walk up to him and he sat on the ward looks visibly very nervous and in his own words terrified what struck me about this patient was the fact that he was actually close in age to my dad and himself he had two kids you know seemed very friendly even though he's very nervous he still put on a smile and you know engaged in conversation absolutely pleasant and to kind of appease like um what's the word not appease to sort of you know calm him a bit or as much as i could understandably not a lot because you know it's such a stressful day but we talked a bit about his family life he said he's in a stable happy relationship with his wife they've been married since 2000 and i was like whoa you've been married for longer than i've been alive and we had a laugh about that and we talked a bit about you know how he's feeling about the surgery because as i mentioned before it's a very high risk complex procedure right the whipple now of course he was nervous but then he kind of said to me in a whispery voice but don't tell anyone i've actually bought myself a secret present i've bought myself the newest iphone now it was actually his birthday yesterday and it's christmas coming up soon so he was like oh it's an early Christmas present for me and it was just such a heartwarming personal story it was I really value the surgeon telling me to go meet the patients because it was nice to um, meet the human side and allowed me to connect with them now some people might disagree with that some people might totally avoid the patients and forming that emotional attachment to them and I think, you know, that's a debate for another day, really, because um, there's a lot to unpack there. But, yeah, it was nice getting to know this man's story as well and how things started with him. Similar, um, you know, eating something. He thought he had a dodgy kebab and it turned out to be pancreatic cancer. Um, he was in a lot of pain, developed jaundice, which is the medical term for when your um, skin or sometimes your eyes turn a sort of yellow colour so that's a sign of liver disease um, for those of you who weren't aware so it's one to maybe read up on look out for um, and if there's one take home message from today that I've learned it's that pancreatic cancer is no joke pancreatic cancer is 
one of the most aggressive and lethal cancers out there. It has one of the worst prognosis, which means outcomes. The five-year survival rate is very low. And yeah, I think awareness should be raised on it because with these things, the earlier you catch it, the better outcome there is. Because as I mentioned before, with that lady whose cancer had what we say metastasized, which basically means spread to other parts of the body, it means they're no longer eligible for an operation that could give them more years to live. So I'll come back to this patient now. I can't say his name, of course, for confidentiality reasons. Um, so let's call him a Harry Potter character. How about uh, Ron Weasley? Let's go with that. So Ron, um, again, he came down to the ward and was anaesthetized or put under, put to sleep, you know, as we say. Um, and I got to actually scrub up for this one and I went to the theater. This procedure was a whole different ball game. There were at least three times as many um, pieces of surgical, equi surgical equipment and there were more tables and more people involved this time. So in my head, I was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is it. This is a big one. I felt very nervous for him. And I actually told the surgical team about, um, you know, his wholesome iPhone story and the fact that he has a really good relationship with his wife. And what was interesting was that this actually, the surgeons, the surgeons have a very, well, the surgical team rather, because they're not all surgeons, there's, there's different um, various people, um, they have a really good sense of humour. And they kind of have to, because when you're surrounded by, you know, not so good outcomes half the time, you need a bit of comedic relief to get through the day, you know? It's for their mental health, if anything. Um... So when I relayed uh, the stories about this patient to them, they were like, oh, no, don't tell us that. No, no, we have to think of it this way. This guy has like killed three babies. This guy is like the worst person ever. He's a villain. Now, some of you listening to this might think, oh my God, why would they do that? But hear me out. They do that because there's almost a sort of superstition so you would it's sort of like bad people or how society would label bad people generally come out of surgeries okay and good people usually there's a complication something goes wrong and i think that's the superstition i've learned and picked up on from today after talking to my friends about it and stuff um which is interesting. So every time I said something positive about this patient, you know, the, the tone in the room sort of changed a bit. And I don't know, it's probably the superstition talking, but I don't, I'm not really a superstitious person. So I thought to myself, nah, you know, this isn't going to change anything. Whatever is there or isn't there, you know, that's just how it is. That's reality, you know, believing in something else isn't going to change that. That's sort of my approach to things like this anyway.
So finally we get to the operation itself, the main surgeon walks in who is my consultant that I spoke to yesterday and it was the only words I can think of to explain it are mesmerising, awestruck, magnificent. Surgery is such a unique experience and I'm in a very privileged position to meet people before, during and after such an important and impactful time of their lives. It really is amazing. You know, I went from talking to the patient to now I'm literally viewing their internal organs right in front of my eyes. And I was stood right next to the surgeon. Literally right next to the surgeon. My hands were on the patient because I'd scrubbed in so I was sterile and I was just watching it. But there was, of course, a complication. Now, some of you listening might think, oh, of course, because he was a good man and, you know, the surgical superstition. So what happened was when we opened him up um, and what the imaging didn't pick up on was the fact that the cancer in the pancreas had indeed spread to the surrounding blood vessels specifically the SMV which stands for the superior mesenteric vein which is in close proximity and the surgeon could actually feel the hardening of the characteristic um, hard sort of feel of the cancer and he actually called in for a um, what's the word Um, a second uh, opinion so another surgeon came in um, and you know they were both discussing it and I heard the conversation you know he's not re- he's not eligible anymore look the cancer spread it's actually worse than we thought and my heart sunk I'd gone from talking to this absolutely lovely man who's feeling positive about the surgery who's ready to have the Whipple done massive procedure i was ready to stand there for five six seven hours however long it took i wanted to follow it through right to the end and be with him when he woke up and tell him everything was going to be all right so perhaps my naivety was you know a part of my own disappointment as well but most of it was i really did feel bad for him i really wanted the surgery to go well and for it to be positive but that's why I learned pancreatic cancer is just, it's a beast, it's a monster. It's nothing to sneeze at, at all. And so as they were talking about it, me being a medical student, you know, I'm the one who's going to ask questions, (laughs) naturally. So I said, okay, what are his alternative options? And they said, well, he's only young, he's 48 years old. So he can actually probably withstand really aggressive chemotherapy. And I just thought to myself, my goodness, you know, I've heard stories of people who've gone for chemotherapy and it doesn't sound pleasant at all. If I had to choose personally, and I hope I'm never in that position, I would probably rather have the surgery, but I don't know. You know, I don't want to invalidate other people's experiences as well. Um, who were in positions where they've had chemotherapy and I don't know 
um, that's my own personal journey of finding out more and speaking to such people and learning about their experiences too. But anyway, either way, it's a huge um, change to this to this man's life. Honestly, my heart sunk. It dropped to the floor. I was struggling to hold back tears really but I had to because obviously professional environment I'm with the surgeons in the middle of an operation now is not the time need to compartmentalize and get on with it really so I did just that and I stayed till the very end I watched them fully suture him back up I watched him wake up and this is the part that really got me the first thing he said when he woke up was oh is it still daylight outside i wasn't in there long enough i tell you it's a good thing i had my face mask on because my jaw dropped there were no windows surrounding us you couldn't see i literally looked around i turned my head there were no windows you couldn't tell if it was light or dark outside now think about it this man's just been put under a general anesthetic he was completely knocked out in a state of half-life half-death virtually or put to sleep as they say he wasn't conscious for any of that operation how could he possibly know how long he was asleep for and that the surgery wasn't as long as it should have been how could he have known my only explanation is you know the biological body clock but this brings me back to that theory i was talking about you know how even if a patient is put under general anesthetic they are still somehow aware of what's going on around them and to them they're aware maybe subconsciously spiritually this is a whole world of medicine that we haven't even touched the surface of and I think it's just because we're limited in our own beliefs and you know cultural systems and you know whatever in the west they they love to stick with their drugs and their um, technical interventions but there's a whole world of possibility out there and we just need to find it and discover it this is what pioneering and research is all about so yeah i was i was very sad for this patient but as a medical student i couldn't tell him you know that oh you know the surgery we didn't go through with it and you, you're going to have to start chemo i had to keep that information to myself and let the doctors relay that news to him but the fact that I knew, and I knew that he knew, was what made that day, today, quite a difficult one. So I followed him back to the ward, um, you know, he was given some pain relief, naturally he's in a lot of pain after, um, you know, literally being opened up. And it was a very profound experience for me, I went home. Um, and I actually almost missed my bus stop, um, the stop I was supposed to get off at because I was so deep in thought about this. It really had an impact on me. And now I want to go home and read up on pancreatic cancer and Whipple surgeries and 
just make sure that I never fail a patient because I didn't have the knowledge or skill set at the time. That's what I've taken away from this. And I hope whoever's listening to this, you know, maybe you could relate to some part of the story, maybe the patient's journey, maybe my feelings towards experiencing this. After all, being a medical student, I'm in a very unique position where I meet people at the most vulnerable points of their lives and that's the whole point. I want to share these stories with people to sort of build a bridge between patients and healthcare professionals. There seems to be this barrier and sometimes I feel like, you know, we're villainized when in reality we're just normal people who want to make a difference. Maybe that's not everybody, but that's me. In a nutshell, that's the whole reason I'm even on this course and studying to be a doctor. I really just want to make a difference to people's lives in a beneficial way. And it's as simple as that. Now, talking to these two patients today, I did feel like I made even a small, tangible bit of difference to their day, but that's enough for me. And, you know, they've gone back to their own lives now, but when they think about that day, today, maybe they'll look back on, you know, that brief encounter with that really small medical student who um, spoke to them before a really scary operation. <laughs> that was my intention anyway. Um, but yes, to finish off, pancreatic cancer is absolutely not a joke and I hope that this episode has raised a bit more awareness on how scary it can be for people suffering with it and for the people around them who know that they have it. I'll finish off by actually, I can't believe I forgot to mention this, the most profound part of the entire operation was when I asked the surgeon, okay, realistically, without this Whipple surgery, how long would he have left to live? And the surgeon said, if he was only on chemotherapy, he would only have six to 12 months. I was absolutely shocked. I thought at least he's going to say five to 10 years, but no. So potentially less than a year of life how do you even measure that? How can you even quantify or process that? I was struggling as the medical student. I couldn't imagine being in the shoes of this patient. So, wow, just a really profound day, profound experiences. I'm very grateful to have learning opportunities like this. And I'm grateful for my consultant for, you know, instructing me to follow the patient's stories and, uh, you know, um, see them from the start to finish. And I didn't really see them to the finish because I don't know what will happen to them now. I probably won't see them ever again. But for the brief moments that I was there, it had a huge impact on me. Anyway, I'm gonna um, call it a night there. It's literally quarter past midnight and I have to go in again tomorrow for a new day, an 8 a.m. ward round. So I'll see you hopefully for another episode and good night.